Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got a look at House Republicans on the debt limit. Number two, Afghanistan overstate takes center stage. And number three, movements on crypto legislation. All right, Jake, uh, you might have heard we are now 100 days into the 118th Congress uh, and GOP leadership facing its first real legislative test. Obviously, that is the debt limit face off between House Republicans and the Biden administration. This morning, we have a really interesting look at kind of the dynamics facing in particular Speaker Kevin McCarthy, but also some of his allies as House Republicans look to move legislation uh, later this week and next week in in terms of trying to find kind of that first opening salvo between Republicans and the Biden administration. Yeah. Um, so just let's uh, let's update on where we are. Um, uh, what you said is absolutely right. Uh, we are. It's Wednesday, April nineteenth. By let's say you know the twenty sixth or the twenty seventh next Wednesday or Thursday. Um, the uh, uh, Republicans want to have passed a debt limit bill. Now, McCarthy has loaded this thing up with every conservative priority under the sun. Um, he's even talking about repealing big chunks of the Inve- Inflation Reduction Act, Joe Biden's signature piece of legislation. So he's just trying to get this across the finish line to show that he can pass a debt limit. Okay, well, that's interesting to do, but um, there's a lot of pitfalls here and there's a lot of challenges. And um, we wanted to run them down. So let's just start with McCarthy here. Um, here's his challenges, and it's they are there are four of them. Um, he wants to pass a debt limit bill with one week of lead time. Anna, you and I have covered, for going back more, uh, more than a decade, um, debt limit bills. And they usually take months. Um, now, this is a fake debt limit bill in the sense that it's never going to go anywhere. So it's it's it is um, basically this is a debt. Li- this is like a bunch of cuts plus a debt limit uh, increase. So but still challenging. Who the hell wants to vote for a debt limit increase? That's challenge number one. Do you have any thoughts on challenge uh, number one? Hey, listen, I mean, what to me, the interesting thing here is the fact you have McCarthy. He has been around these fights for a long time, but this is him calling the shots. And I think we have not yet seen him be able to move something, uh, certainly of this kind of size and substance and to be able to get uh, his conference on board. And to your point, I think is a really smart one, which is like, this is a bill that's not going anywhere, right? And so you're trying to convince Republicans, because of course, Democrats aren't going to help them to say like, hey, we need to pass this thing, which is a debt limit increase, which probably could be used in a Republican primary against them, um, you know, uh, to kind of as a messaging bill, frankly. Yeah, that, that it is a messaging bill. And, um, you know, I oftentimes think that that people overrate how potent a debt limit increases in a primary. I don't think, you know, people use it, but whatever. It's like it's not that big of a deal. Um, and it ha- that's my view. I mean, members get afraid of stuff that makes no sense all the time. Um, 
and you know i i think the the sting has been taken out of it to a large degree so let's talk about number two three and four what happens if mccarthy does this well we don't know his whole goal is to try to get the white house to the negotiating table but the white house keeps saying we ain't going to the negotiating table and and joe biden the the, the president, obviously, not the other Joe Biden, as if there was one, um, uh, talked to Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries, the top Democrats in Congress, and said, actually, we're not going to negotiate. The White House keeps reminding us they're not going to negotiate. Now, I'm skeptical of that because <laughs> um, the White House keeps saying we'll have a separate budget negotiation after we raise the debt limit. Now, you know, I nothing is separate in Congress. Everything kind of goes together in a in a in a, uh, in, a in some respect. Um, but the um, yeah, I, I kind of wonder if there's some sort of trigger mechanism where Congress could raise the debt ceiling, and then they need to come up with certain amount of cuts. Like I, I bet they're going to try to find a way to twin them in a with using some legislative mechanism um, in the next couple of months. But that is that's problem number two. Let's go straight into three. All of these policies we kind of touched on this are going to end up on the cutting room floor, all these conservative policies. So that's a risk for McCarthy. He's getting his guys all worked up over the stuff, whipping, negotiating, you know, talking to them. And all these policies are going to end up on the cutting room floor. So cool. It's great to pass them. But like, whatever. Uh, let's now. Number four, Anna, is the big thing. Um, we, we got news yesterday. We fought, you know, no one actually knows when we're going to default. No one knows that. Treasury is the one with the best insight into this. They pay attention to a couple of different uh, outside analysts, and there's ways to predict it given the the Treasury Department's accounts, a whole host of things, um, uh, and the April tax uh, uh, inflows. So, but Goldman Sachs yesterday, which is, you know, uh, obviously a large, a large, sophisticated financial institution with a huge re- research arm um, said that this the they could default by the middle of June. Now, it's the middle of April, Anna. <laughs> like if you don't April's the fourth month, June is the sixth month. So that's two two months to get this together. That is an extra, we had this in before, but Brez convinced me to take it out. There's like between 20 and 25 legislative days to get this done. You know, like that ain't a lot of time. That's really that's really scary. And the other thing is, and we, we, we noted this yesterday when I was not on the podcast, so I'll repeat it again. Like Wall Street is numb to this right now. Like, you know, so I just what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think you make a lot of really good points. I think to my mind, the idea here, you know, 25 legislative days. And right now, House Republicans are focused on a piece of legislation that is never going to be even close to what a deal ends up to be. And by the way, that's not inherently scary in and of itself. I agree with you. That's scary. So let's let me take that back. But they need to start wrapping their minds around the fact that they're going to have to compromise here. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we are you are, we are we are focused, you know, over here on a, on a shiny object that is not going to you know actually do anything to you know kind of get Republicans in a place to want to compromise, right? You're looking at all of their kind of goodie basket of things that they really want to have done that is not going to happen. And you know, at the other side, you don't have any in the real negotiations, nothing is happening. Correct. So <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty stunning. And to your point, I think that there's a lot of people. I was on the phone yesterday talking about this with someone, you know, where they just think like it's gonna get done, right? Like everyone's like, it's just gonna happen, right? And and that's just not 
how it typically goes, right? I think the big question here is, what are Republicans, you know, does the Senate ever engage? Does Mitch McConnell ever engage? When do Republicans get nervous enough that they're getting close enough to default that it's not just the Kevin McCarthy show? Correct. And I, I, that, 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 that day probably will come. Um, now Mitch McConnell's back at the Capitol uh, and looking, you know, pretty good after, a, you know, however long five weeks of being or however, I don't know how many weeks it was of being on the sidelines. We'll have to see. But he's letting McConnell take the lead right now. And McConnell's basically saying Biden's position is untenable. He needs to negotiate. So that's where we are. All right. If you want to dive deeper into the other dynamics of House Republican leadership and what the what their stakes are, you can always go to our morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Let's move on to the number two story of the morning, Jake. Afghanistan oversight taking center stage. Of course, the disastrous U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan in 2021 uh, has been a big focus for Republicans for quite a long time. And now it is going to be the focus of a House Oversight and Accountability Committee hearing uh, with James Comer, the chair, calling four key inspectors general to testify this morning on the Afghanistan withdrawal. We do have some news here, uh, including what Comer is going to be saying in his opening statement. Quote, today, the Taliban flag flies over Kabul. This is Joe Biden's legacy. The ever expanding uh, um, <laughs> oversight priorities of James Comer, who's investigating literally everything uh, following in the tradition of of Daryl Issa and, and a whole host of other uh, Republicans and, and frankly, Democrats who hold that gavel. Um, listen, Comer has does have purview over inspectors general. There's no question about that. Afghanistan and the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan is a big priority for House Republicans. They campaigned on this. They said they were going to get to the bottom of it. Now, even more importantly, is uh, Mike McCall. Uh, and Mike McCall is the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, has tried to get a dissent cable from the State Department, a cable that um, from, you know, uh, State Department officials about, you know, concerns that they had with the withdrawal and things like that. He has subpoenaed that from Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State. He has not heard from Blinken. He basically said, we're going to sue, take this to court uh, if we don't get it. And I, I imagine that's where this is going to end up. Um, but, uh, you know, Afghanistan's a huge issue for Republicans and um, every committee, foreign affairs, appropriations has gotten in the mix, oversight has gotten in the mix, um, uh, armed services is obviously in the mix. So a um, lot of committees investigating, some tension there, but not a ton. Um, and we'll have to see. I, I, I'm just, I think obviously the, the hearing today, Comer's hearing today is going to be pretty high profile. Um, and another opportunity to see the face-off between Jamie Raskin and, J and James Comer, uh, who have clashed in the last couple of weeks, as we have reported a, a bunch of times over the Biden family. Comer, as Max uh, has reported in the last couple of days, was over at Treasury the other day viewing uh, uh, reports, suspicious activity reports about the Biden family um, and their banking and business practices and things like that. So um, just a lot going on on the oversight front. And the number three story of the morning, Brendan Peterson has a very interesting look at Republicans' efforts to revive the stablecoin bill uh, ahead of a hearing. Uh, of course, you know, we were 
reporting on this a lot uh, last year where you had um, Maxine Waters and Patrick McHenry working kind of together, trying to negotiate to find a pathway forward on um, a stable coin that fell apart last fall. Uh, but now Republicans are trying to revive that effort. Yeah, and, and French Hill is in the is in the driver's seat. French Hill is taking an increasingly important um, important and center uh, center stage role when it comes to financial services and a whole host of other policies. He was up in New York with McCarthy earlier this week when McCarthy gave a speech to the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, French Hill is a former a former banker, former Treasury official who has been uh, close to the leadership in his time in Congress. Stable coins are probably the one area where Congress can proactively legislate on crypto. I think it's far off. This bill is not bipartisan, as the Democrats in the committee told Brendan, but it is an area uh, in which Patrick McHenry and Maxine Waters made uh, big progress last time. Maxine Waters says she no longer supports the bill that she wrote with Patrick McHenry because of FTX and the implosion of FTX. And, and we'll have to see if there's there's maybe some way to get her back on board. But um, something to watch out for in the crypto and financial services space. All right. And with that, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, tell your friends, share it on social media. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also subscribe to our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news and get even deeper into the news of what's happening in Washington. Thanks a lot. Have a great day and stay safe.